welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit here. Oh, hallelujah. Do you need something from Him today? Do you need something? Do you need an answer? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and just begin to ask Him right now for a breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want more of you, Father God. We're not forgetting, Lord, that last weekend we were talking about going deeper in the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we're here today because we're talking about your word. But Lord, we want to go deeper in the things of God. We want to go deeper in you. Our desire is for you, Father. Oh, just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I want to go deeper in you, Father God, as we study your word. We forget not the spirit, Lord. It's the spirit and the word mixing together, Father, uniting together. That causes us to be revived, Father, and refreshed, Lord God. Lord, we pray today for revelation. Give us wisdom and revelation that we may know you more. Know the hope of our calling in Jesus' name. I challenge you today to rise up in your calling. Rise up and be the person that God's called you to be. And do the things that God has called you to do in the name of Jesus. Oh, and if you're feeling that you can't do it, it's God's strength. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God, we pray you release your strength upon us today in the name of Jesus. Let scales fall from our eyes that we would see you afresh. Lord, open our eyes that we would see Jesus. Open our eyes that we would see you. We'd have an encounter with you. Just ask him to sanctify your life right now. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Sanctify me. I receive your grace into every area of my life. Burn out every impurity, any motive that's wrong, Father God. Every attitude that's not being correct this week. Lord, sanctify us, Father God. In the name of Jesus, let every condemnation go. Let discouragement leave. Let heaviness go. Let anxiety and stress, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you accept us, Lord, for who we are, Lord. Thank you, Father, you accept us where we are, Lord God. And you come and meet us where we are, and you lift us up, Lord, to where you are, Lord God. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Your word says, Lord, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord, perfection is not going to happen, Lord, in ourselves, Lord, in our own battle. But it's going to happen by you coming afresh into our lives and developing our character, Father. We ask you today to sharpen our character, Lord. We pray when people see us, they'll see Christ in our behavior, in the way we treat others, Father God. Lord, the way we treat your church, Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you'll sharpen our character and our integrity, Father God, in our relationship with you. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor. I want to ask you a question. Is your hands lifted in this place today? If it asks you this question, between one and ten, how good is your relationship with God? How valuable is your relationship with God? This last week, is it, have you hit the 10? Have you hit a 9? Have you been consistent? Or maybe right now you're just a 1 or 2 and you're struggling a little bit. Wherever you are right now, just say to God, Lord, I want to renew my commitment to you. I want to renew my commitment to the place of prayer, place of worship, Lord. Not just church attendance or cell group attendance, Father. Or just doing things and going through the motions. Father God, we want to go deeper with you, Lord God. We want to enter into that place of worship, Father God. We, we heard that word, Lord, from Michael Yusuf, Lord God only a couple of months ago, Father, who said, Lord, that our personal worship has got to be stronger than our public worship. So, Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll strengthen the area of private, personal, secret fellowship and worship with you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you'll strengthen it in KT, strengthen it in our lives, Lord. Our desire would be to seek you and to worship you and to get close to you because we know 
that when we get close with you, Father God, our character is going to change. We're going to be more like Jesus, Lord God. And Lord, all the areas that are out of sync are going to get back into sync, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And instead of others saying you need to change, we'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, it's time to change in that area. Father, we give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Anybody said? Amen. Let's give Jesus praise this afternoon. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. What are you doing all over there? Wow. Serious. Are you guys well today? Amen. Good to see you guys. Fantastic. We're going to start off today by talking about integrity in relationships. How many of you have been here for the last couple of weeks on the series of integrity? Give me a wave if you've been here. Uh, how many people are here for the first time hearing a message like this? God bless you guys. Welcome. And uh, we're starting off today in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Fathers, we come to your word this afternoon, we pray in Jesus' name that your word would go forth with power and authority. We pray, Father God, you'll quicken us, Father God. We, we thank you that we are a church that desires the things of the Spirit. But, Father God, we also want to make sure that, Lord God, that our character is in line with Christ's character, Father. We put to death the flesh. And as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. So, Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would come and stir up and sharpen areas of our lives as we go through this message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. We're talking about the wise and the foolish man. We're talking about integrity right throughout this month. This parable, this story that Jesus mentioned is basically, essentially, I'd like to put where the word is concerned, we're putting where the rock is concerned, I'd like to put the word integrity, integrity, which also means character. Let's read it together as you're following. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to be a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock, or it was founded upon integrity. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." And so it was when Jesus had ended his sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. As we open up this topic today on integrity and relationships, I want to propose to you today the thought that integrity is building on a solid foundation. Amen? Building on a solid foundation. Here we have in this passage two types of people, a wise man and a foolish man. Now the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. But what is the real meaning? Bruce talked, talked about this on the Saturday of the conference and the real meaning is making sure that you're building on the Word of God. You hear the Word of God and you put the Word of God into practice. That's what Jesus said. A wise man is who hears the Word. Now you've been hearing this series on integrity. You've been hearing Gable last week and then Jonathan the week before, and I'm sure that word has been entering you. But I want to ask you a question, how much have you put that into practice? Because a wise man is here, he hears the word, and he puts it into practice. 
Well, a foolish man is here, hears the word and doesn't put it into practice. And when the winds and the rain come down, your house would fall to the ground because you lack integrity. We've all heard of uh, stories of men and women who've had a successful life. One of the stories I'd like to introduce today is the story of David. Now, we're going to be mentioning David right throughout this, this afternoon of integrity. When I think about David, I think of a man who had a heart after God. In KT, we have men and women who, whose hearts are after God. They're there at every service. But it's amazing, out of all the things we can think about David, there's one thing that we do remember is that David sinned against the Lord. He sinned against the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and he was lusting after a lady. Not just did he lust after a lady, he picked that lady and he said, you know what, I want to sleep with that lady. He brought her into the palace, he slept with the lady, and then what happened? He got the lady pregnant. He couldn't cover up his sin, so he thought to himself, my God, what am I going to do? Let's try and get the husband to sleep with his wife. It, it didn't happen. He tried two times, and it didn't happen. He tried to cover up his sin, and then he, that didn't happen. He couldn't work it out, so he got even more nervous. At some point in this story, he lost his integrity. The day he lusted after the woman, that's when he compromised his integrity. And then a series of decisions of lack of integrity caused him to the point where he put the husband on the forefront of the hottest battle, and that day the husband was struck down. Now, one little sin led to the death of a lady's husband and the, and the pregnancy of this, of this child that David was about to have. Now, we remember this. We remember the story of David. Why? Because even one decision in our lives can bring our lives right down to the ground like the foolish man. We think of people like President Clinton, Bill Clinton. How many people know Bill Clinton? I mean, I mean people say he was a great charismatic leader, but we all remember the area of sin in his life because it was publicized there with Mona Lewinsky. You know, we know the stories of presidents of the United States of America that have fell just by one little decision, one decision of a lack of integrity. Now, what is integrity? Webster's Dictionary says, a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. A word, incorruptibility. I like to say the word character. Character. When we look at integrity, we're really looking at the area of character. I want to tell you a story that highlights this area of character. Now, my granddad used to say to me, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but you know what? You can try and force someone to get the word and force someone to follow Christ, but it's really up to them to drink it in. I remember discipling one of my guys, and he started getting into the leadership group and started moving forward with God, but I knew that his character was out of order, but he started being a little, a little bit better in his cell life. And I remember having a leadership meeting there in, in the welcome room, and he was on his way. So we were starting early at 6 to have a preliminary meeting, and uh, I'd invited him to come and join the leadership team, encouraged him to move forward with God. Well, you know, you can't change someone's character, but I thought he's been changing. I'll give him a chance. You know, I, I want to believe in people. Amen. It's important that we believe in people and believe that people can change and move forward. And so I, I texted him. I said, oh, are you on your way? He said, yeah, I'm on my way. I said, you're going to be here at six. Oh, yeah, I'll be there at six. So five to six came and I texted him and I said, oh, wh where are you? are you? Are you here yet? Oh, yes, I'm just down the road, he said. Oh, I said, I started to feel good. I thought, wow, this guy's changing. He's just down the road. That means he should actually turn up on time. Six o'clock arrived. He wasn't there. So I, I texted him. I said, oh, where, where are you now? Oh, I'm just coming into the church right now. 
Oh, are you? Great. So we were getting ready to start the meeting. I'm feeling comfortable. Anyway, quarter past six came and still didn't arrive. So I, I, I texted him again. I said, I said, where are you? He said, I'm in the church foyer. Oh, I, I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe he just went to the toilet. Maybe that was the delay. Anyway, one hour went by. Uh, 7.15, I thought, this guy has not arrived. I called him on the telephone and said, oh, I thought you were in the foyer. What happened? Oh, I'm at home. I'm at home. Oh, my God. So what he was basically saying, he was, he was at home at the very beginning when I talked to him at the end. So he was just basically saying, giving me encouragement. But really he was lying because he had a lack of integrity. And sometimes in our life, you, I can't, you can't change that in a person. A person needs to bring that before God and allow God to change their heart. And that's exactly what happened to David. We're really talking about character. And when you look at people in relationships, you just simply can't trust people who lack integrity. You certainly can't build a ministry, a family, a cell group, or a business on people who lack integrity. Now, we know that in church, people are so full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? They look like they're godly. They look like, you know, when the tears fall from their eyes they're in the worship, they look like, wow, that's a person I could build upon. But when you start encouraging them to move forward, you recognize that there's areas of their character that still need working on. We all have them. Integrity delivers, number one, respect. It delivers loyalty. It delivers commitment and trust. These areas are essential in our relationships, our relationships. I want you to turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 as we go through the, the scriptures today. We're going to go through a few passages of good examples of integrity and bad examples of integrity. And here, Timothy in the, in the scriptures is known as a man who's a man of integrity. I mean, out of all of the disciples that Paul was going to make and encourage in leadership, we see that he had two most important guys, Timothy and Titus. And as you read the books of Titus and Timothy, really, you're looking at these books as books of integrity. Paul is challenging Timothy's integrity. He's encouraging Timothy's integrity. And he's picking leaders. And the leaders that he's picking are not built on people who are full of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and casting out demons. They are built on attitudes of integrity, attitudes of character. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, Now give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idols. Paul's encouraging Timothy here to make sure he builds on the principle of love, which comes out of a pure heart, a good conscience or a good character, and sincere faith. Hallelujah sincere faith. I remember talking to Danny Cahill on Friday, and if you were here, I think there was about 12 men or something like that who responded to the gospel, so we can give Jesus praise for that today. 12 men responded last Friday, hallelujah. Amen. You must be all ladies here. Any men here today? Ooh, I think Gable's here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you would wage good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, or a good character, which some have rejected concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck. Now he's given an example there, saying it's important to have good character, otherwise it's possible that you will suffer a shipwreck in your life if you don't build on a good conscience and good values. There's not one person here today 
who wants to suffer shipwreck in their lives, is there? There's not one of us. I want to read a story here that I got from our senior minister's sermon, you know, about the Titanic. I don't know about you, but when there's research done regarding the Titanic, and this is important for our lives, and I hope it speaks to you today. Scientists are telling us now that they've discovered that the previous assumption concerning the sinking of the Titanic was false. That the ship set sail on its maiden voyage in 1912 and met with tragedy, disaster, and was sunk at sea, losing the lives of around 1,500 people. Up to the day recently, it was assumed that the Titanic had hit an iceberg and a huge hole had been opened into the hull. And as a result of a huge hole, the unsinkable ship sank. The unthinkable happened. But through ultrasonic technology, very recently, scientists have corrected that theory and this time have suggested that the evidence shows that it was not one big hole that caused the Titanic to sink, but it was relatively small, a small number of tiny holes which were found in the hull. But nevertheless, those tiny holes breached the integrity of that ship, and with its integrity breached, the whole ship sank. Wow. What is he saying there? That's right, God wants us to deal with the tiny holes that speak of our loss of integrity. Sometimes we don't pay attention to these tiny little areas of our life and we keep passing them on. Oh, it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter if I tell a lie. It doesn't matter if I take money. It doesn't matter if I don't turn up to cell group on time. All these things don't matter. They just don't matter. And you keep putting them off and you keep putting them off. And it's in fact these little issues that eventually cause our lives to sink. Just like the Titanic there, a lack of integrity. Now I want to turn over to Genesis where we see the story of a few people who also lacked integrity. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8, the story of Noah, Genesis chapter 9, the story of Noah and his sons. I don't know about you, but I respect people more when they, they don't gossip and they actually protect you. Amen? When you have friends and you have relationships, and if you have true friends anyway, you have friends that respect you, friends that trust you, friends that tell you the truth, friends that are honest friends that value you, friends that basically in tough situations actually protect you. I'll tell you a story, when you go through tough times and everybody leaves, you recognize who your, your, your few friends are. The friends that stick closer than a brother. Those are the friends that are people who I would say people of integrity. They're not after you for your money. They're not after you for your good looks. They're not after you for anything else. They're just your friend, Amen. They've committed to be your friend. Whether you lie, cheat, steal, or whatever you do, you're committed. They're committed to you. And I remember something that really annoyed me when I was in the school classroom. And uh, we have in the Northeast, and I'm sure you might have it in some of your cultures out there today, is that nobody likes someone who grasses somebody else up. Do you know what that means? When you grasp somebody else up, somebody who basically, you know, you, you, you tell the truth. You're honest in that. You say, it's, it's him. It's him. He did it. You know, and, and nobody likes a grass. And, you know, I was in classroom and, and uh, one of my friends, he, he, everybody, everybody in the entire classroom, he was a bit wild with fireworks. Now, my son recently has been seeing the fireworks in the sky and he's got a new word, fire. And so he's been pointing in the sky, like, fire, fire, fire. 
So I thought I'd try and turn this around, uh, biblically speaking, so I added in the word boom. I'm going to get to the story in a minute. So he said, fire, fire, boom, fire, fire, boom. And then we turn to the story in, in Elijah, when Elijah was calling down fire from heaven. So I started teaching him and said, listen, there's no fire. And look, over the page there's fire. So this is what we've been doing in our personal times of worship and Bible study with, with Judah. I turned around and said, listen, fire, fire, boom, fire, boom. So he's, that's his new word right now, fire of God and boom, hallelujah. Connected to the story of Elijah. And here's my friend, he's trying to light a firework because that's what he's really into. And everybody knows he's into fireworks every year, but he's brought it to the classroom and he's lighting this firework. Why is he lighting the firework? Because people are daring him to light the fireworks. Hey, light the firework, light the fireworks. So what happens was he's just playing games and then suddenly he either does it on purpose or he does it accidentally and the fireworks in his hand go so he throws this firework right down, and, and you know those old art troughs in the old schools. It, it basically, the firework landed under that trough, and at the same time, the teacher came in. So this skinny little teacher, maths teacher, she came in, and she just went, boom! And she just went, oh, 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 And she sat in her chair, bless her, and straight away she said, oh. She, after she'd calmed down, she said, who was that? And some guy at the back, some grass, I'll mention no names for my integrity's sake today, is he just said, it was, it was Barry, it was him. And I said, what? And I, I was annoyed. Why was I annoyed? I was annoyed because straight away, he was willing to grass him up straight away. That, that for me, spells a, an example of a lack of integrity. You know, you don't grass up your friends, amen? You protect them. Now, you keep, you keep, that's, that's something that, that happens before you're a Christian. Now, as a, as a Christian, in a cell group, in a cell group point of view, now we know, we know the story, I know Gable's going to mention it, that you know, you've got to, as a brother, speak the truth in love and correct and discipline. We're not talking about that. But sorry, you know, you don't, you don't turn, if someone puts their confidence in you in the cell group, you don't talk about that to other people. Amen? Because a friend is someone who has integrity, who protects, who trusts. Now, it'd be wrong for me if someone comes and says, oh, I want to tell you about this sin, this area. I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was doing this and doing that. And then suddenly, straight away, I say, well, hmm, I wonder how many people I can tell. That, that would be wrong. Now, we do, maybe you might think it's right to call a friend and say, you know what? This brother in the cell group is sleeping with his girlfriend. We need to pray about it. Well, thank God for good intentions, but that's also wrong as well. Because suddenly, I've gotten the telephone and told that. Then someone else, oh, I've told it. And by the time the guys come back to the cell group, everybody, the whole entire cell group knows about it. Now, how does the brother feel? He feels straight away, I can't even trust my leader. I can't even trust those people in the cell group. Now, the cell groups are there to be cell groups of integrity, amen? And we cover our brothers and we protect our brothers. That's why it's important that we protect and we cover each other in prayer. Now this story here in Genesis, we have a story of Noah. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, was, was, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. But Shem and Jabeth took a garment and laid it on both of their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away 
and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. And then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. Now, why did Noah react like that? I mean, every one of us here today would have reacted like that. He basically curses Canaan and he blesses Shem and he blesses Japheth. Why? Because Japheth and Shem covered their father. Amen. And I believe in the church, that's exactly what needs to happen. That's a picture of integrity. Not gossiping, not saying, hey, there's my father over there, he's drunk. Look at how he's a big sinner. No, the sun's coming, they, they cover their father. And we need to cover people who do fall into sin. The church out there today, and probably sometimes in KT as well, when somebody lets God down in an area of their life, we're ready to be judgmental. We're ready to confront. We're ready to say, listen, you're a big sinner. I remember when I was in the Northeast when I was 15 and, and deciding to move forward with God. Anyone who slept with their girlfriend, anyone who sinned, anyone who got someone pregnant, they, they weren't sat down and, and loved upon. They weren't sat down and said, hey, don't worry. God loves you. We're here for you. The impression that was made was like, you are a sinner. You are a sinner. You've made this big sin. My God. And the church would start gossiping about them. And no wonder many of them didn't return back to church because the church was gossiping about their activity. When really the reverse should be true. The church should be saying, hey, the grace of God can cover that area. There's forgiveness for you. Amen. If, the, if you go through a series of repentance, that there is restoration for you. And what do you do anyway with a, a girl who sleeps with their boyfriend and gets pregnant? I mean, what, is the, what should the church do with, with, with a person? Should, should the woman be rejected because she's a sinner and she slept with her boyfriend? Or should the woman just be sat down and loved upon and say, hey, you know what? You made a mistake. Don't worry about it. God, the grace of God is there for you. If you're willing to return to God, we're here for you. And it stops right there. Because I think that's the grace of God. I think that's integrity, amen? I think that's covering people. And I think that's what the world is looking for. They're looking for a church that will embrace people who makes mistakes. If people out there, there's thousands of people out there who've made mistakes today. And they're looking for a church of open arms who will just simply embrace them in Jesus' name. Amen? A people who will keep their integrity. Hallelujah. I want you to turn over there to the book of Numbers, chapter 12. Here we read of a passage of Scripture of, of Miriam speaking against Moses and the seriousness of, of her not keeping her own integrity. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. So suddenly he's a story. Not until this point did Moses, did Miriam and Aaron start to criticize Moses. They went pretty much along with everything that had happened. And God had used Moses in an amazing way. And then it says that the Lord stepped in here while Aaron and Miriam were gossiping about Moses. Now I'm not here to get at anybody who speaks against leadership today. But you know what? Anybody 
who confronts somebody who's a leader. Now, what does a leader need? A leader needs encouragement. A leader needs prayer. A leader needs support. And suddenly here, Aaron and Miriam are not given their integrity, not given good godly character. They're talking about Moses in a wrong way. And they're saying, you know what? Has God spoken through Moses only? Maybe we could have another leader. Maybe we could go another way. And then God steps in. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward and he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. What was God saying? Moses is a man who is faithful, a man who's got integrity. That's what God was saying. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in the dark, saying, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and there she was, a leper. God's punishment came on Miriam. Why? Because she lacked integrity. Straight away she started to speak against Moses. And because, according to God, this Moses was a man of integrity. I want to say today, be careful when you gossip, amen? Be careful when you speak against leaders. And not just leaders of this house, leaders of other churches or governments or leaders. You know, leaders out there like David Cameron or Barack Obama or whoever we want to give our opinions on. God has put them there. God has placed those people in authority. It says that in 1 Timothy. It says God has placed kings and priests and those in governments and those in authority. God has placed them there. So what's our job as a church? We don't need to agree with everything they say, but we need to give our support. We need to give our character. We need to give our blessing. We need to give them our prayers. And here, this scripture is simply a warning, a warning of integrity, to keep our integrity in our words. Now let's turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now talking about David earlier, David also did have a level of integrity in his heart. We know he was a worshiper. We know he wanted to honor God in every area of his life. He was anointed king. Now I don't know about you, but when the pressure is on, that's when there's a test of integrity. When the pressure is on, that's when there's a test of integrity. If there's no pressure, hey, we can all sing hallelujah, shine Jesus, shine. We can all just smile and you know, be faithful to God. But when the pressure's on, then there's going to be a test of our character. Are we going to walk God's way or are we going to walk Maybe our own way or Satan's way. Which way are we going to walk? Are we going to keep our integrity? Are we going to keep walking on the rock? Are we going to walk another path? Here, David, he's been chased by Saul, but he's been anointed king. He's in the field with the sheep. He's been anointed king. He's going to be the king according to what God has told him, according to what the prophet has told him. But yet he finds himself running from the king. Now, I don't know about you, but how would you feel today if David Cameron and the MI5 was after you today? I mean, how would you feel right now? You get a text message, David Cameron, the MI5 are out of the building. They're going to arrest you in the next five minutes. Because this is exactly what was happening to David. He was being chased. He was being hounded by Saul. The pressure was on. His life was at risk. Now, what would you do if your life was at risk? 
Would you be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? If someone's trying to get me, I'm going to get them. Certainly, this was the rule in, in my playground. That in, a, in, a, in a fight, if someone's after you, what is the rule? What is the rule when you're in a fight in the playground? Now, I'm not saying this is, this is right, but when I was at school, this was the rule. If someone's after you, what do you do? Hit them first. Make sure you hit them as hard as you possibly can because after that, there's either going to be a fight or the guy's going to be on the ground. Now, this could have been what David, David was obeying the law, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and Saul has chased him, but yet David fears the Lord. His relationship with God is far more important to him than anything that's happening, and we see this right throughout David's life. And here in 1 Samuel 24, it says, Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. And so he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. Now what would you do? The man who is chasing you is now in the cave where you are. Surely you today, I mean, as, as well as I, would have thought, Hallelujah. God has brought my enemy into my hands. I'm going to chop him down. Not David. So the men of David said to him, This day is which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterwards that David's heart was troubled because he had cut off Saul's robe. And he said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David kept his integrity, and it says, David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now there is David, a man of character, a man of integrity. There's Saul. There in the cave, and David could have killed him straight away and got retribution and ended this pressure on his life. But because he recognized that God had placed Saul in charge, he had the fear of the Lord. The Bible says it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom that brings the integrity into our lives. He's convicted of his sin. He's cut off an edge of Saul's robe, and he's thinking, my God, I'm not going to do any more. I'm going to keep a hold of my integrity. Amen? I'm going to keep a hold of my integrity. Ask yourself the question. David's not king here, but ask yourself the question. You're not king right now. The decisions that you make today will determine your future. If you want promotion, if you want to get ahead in life, some people think, well, if I just won the lottery, if I just won the lottery or won a million pounds, I would be all right. Life would be better. Well, I want to tell you today, if you're not giving... On the, on the amount and honoring God right now in the finance that you have today, you, when you get a million pounds or so, you're certainly not going to honor, honor God then. It's the integrity that you're living now, the foundation that you're building now. In fact, some people who want to build their cell groups, they, they, they say, well, this year we're going to have 50. This year we're going to have 100. This year we're going to have 25. This year we're going to have 1,000. Well, my God, if you can't be faithful with 10, then why would God give you 100? If your character's not ready for a hundred, then why would God give you a hundred? You know, the, the prayer that we need to make when it comes to integrity is to say, God, sharpen my character, 
Sharpen the strength inside of me so that when the hundred do come or when the thousand do come, I'll be able to deal with that. I won't get proud. I won't get arrogant. I won't treat people with disrespect. I won't crack up because I don't have a firm foundation of integrity. We all want success, but we all need to make sure that we bring it right into the middle and say, God, sharpen my integrity in Jesus' name. I'm going to read you a few verses of integrity right now, starting 1 Timothy chapter 3. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. What is Paul saying? We want deacons, leaders, who are men and women of integrity. Titus 1, verse 5 to 9. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you may should set in order the things that are lacking. Appoint elders in every city that I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, amen, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. Again, Titus 1. They're expressions of integrity and of character. Psalm 25 verse 21. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me or protect me. Integrity will preserve you. It will protect your ministry. Psalm 26 verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. David is saying, listen, I've done nothing wrong. Vindicate me. Lord, get me out of this situation. I've also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Why would David say that? Because integrity and obeying God's word is a firm foundation. Psalm 41 verse 12. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Proverbs 10 verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. Amen. He who perverts his ways will become known. Proverbs 20 verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. It's interesting, our children mimic the way that we do things, and we've got to watch this, haven't we, Conrad, in the future? Amen. And I'm just going to give an example, because how I taught my Judah to speak, obviously, his, his first word was holy words, amen? Like the word Bible, hallelujah. But actually, some of his first words are, are football, hallelujah, goal, and uh, I've been doing this little thing with him, and I've got to maintain my integrity because last night when we were playing football, now I've been trying to encourage him. Now, rightfully or wrongfully, whether I've been holding my integrity or not, this is just a story. I'll give you an example. Now, as I've been shooting, and he's been shooting, sometimes he doesn't hit the target. It's sometimes wide, but when he hits at least the box, or what we call the goal, I'll say, goal! Now, technically, if he hits the side of the box, or it's the side, it's not a goal, it's the post. So sometimes when I've, I've shot and I've said, oh, post, like this, not expecting him. But when he's hit the post, say, hey, well done, that's awesome. But last night when I shot, 
And I, and I was me shooting. I shot the ball. It hit the post. And I said, goal. He said, no, post, post, post. <laughs> so you've got to make sure that you watch your integrity, amen, in the things that you're saying. Now, thank God that's the only mistakes I'm making so far. So please pray for the grace of God in every area of our life because your children will basically copy what you're doing. If you're not living the life as a Christian outside the church, then definitely your children will mimic exactly what you're doing outside the church. Your family will mimic your integrity outside the church and how easy that is, you know, in life. That when we're talking about integrity, we've got to talk about practicing what you preach. Practicing what you preach, living what you believe. And basically making sure that everything that we're doing is coming out of a close relationship with God. Here's a story that I want to read when we're talking about giving a good example in our integrity. In his teen years, however, the boy... I'm going to just read this. Let's find the start. Regrettably, we also forget the high influence value of integrity in the home of R.C. Sprout in his book, Objections Answered, tells of a young Jewish boy who grew up in Germany many years ago. The lad had a profound sense of admiration for his father who saw to it that the life of the family revolved around the religious practices of their faith. Now it sounds good. The father led them to the synagogue faithfully. They were a Jewish family. In his teen years, however, the boy's family was forced to move to another town in Germany. And this town had no synagogue, only a Lutheran church. The life of the community revolved around the Lutheran church. All the best people belonged to it. Suddenly, the father announced to the family that they were all going to abandon their Jewish traditions and join the Lutheran church. When the Stun family asked why, the father explained that it would be good for business. The youngster was bewildered and confused. His deep disappointment soon gave way to anger and a kind of intense bitterness that plagued him throughout his life. Now, clearly, this child is confused. He's, he's, he's following the Jewish tradition. Then for no reason, he's changed and become a Lutheran attendee. Later, he left Germany and went to England to study. Each day found him, found him at the British Museum, formulating his ideas and composing a book. In that book, he induced a whole new worldview and conceived a movement that was designed to change the world. He described religion as the uh, opiate. How do you spell that? I have no clue. Opiate for the masses. He committed the people who followed him to life without God. His ideas became the norm for governments of almost half the world's people. His name, Karl Marx, founder of the communist movement. The history of the 20th century and perhaps beyond was significantly affected because one father let his values become distorted. Wow. Karl Marx being a disillusioned child all because his father decided one day... He was a Jew, and then he just decided one day, listen, I'm going to be, attend the Lutheran church. And because of that anger, Karl Marx was born. We've got to make sure that our integrity is in line with the Word of God. Amen? We've got to be, uh, uh, make sure that we're in line with the Word of God. Here's another example of integrity. In ancient China, the people wanted security against the barbaric hordes to the north, so they built the Great Wall. We all know the Great Wall of China. But it was high... It was so high they believed no one could climb over it and so thick nothing could break it down. They settled back to enjoy their security. During the first hundred years of the wall's existence, China was invaded three times. 
Now, how was there the integrity of that wall breached? Not once did the barrack hordes break down the wall or climb over it. That seems fine. The wall was fine. Each time they bribed a gatekeeper and then marched right through the gates. And the Chinese were so busy relying on the walls of stone, they forgot to teach integrity to their children. That is a great warning for us today to make sure that we teach integrity, number one, to us. We've got to be people of integrity. And number two, that we teach our children to be people of integrity. I'm going to read a few things right now. I'd like the band to come back as we're finishing up today. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment and just think about these things. Integrity is the glue that keeps all of our relationships together. It's the glue. If there be no integrity, that means our relationships will be broken. Let's think about this right now. Integrity has to do with honesty. Integrity has to do with trust. Integrity has to do with what you believe and putting into practice what you believe. Integrity means living it yourself. Integrity means doing right in the little things as well as in the big things. Integrity means making a commitment to be reliable. Integrity means doing the right thing ahead of personal goals and agendas. Integrity means being the same person in private as you are in public. Integrity means being accountable for your actions and behavior at all times. Integrity has nothing to do with the circumstances. Integrity means treating all people with respect, even if you have nothing to gain. Integrity means talking to people, not about them. Father God, we thank you for integrity of relationships, Father God. And right now, we ask you to forgive us our sins, Lord. You said, pray this prayer. Forgive me my sins, Lord, as I forgive those who sinned against me. Well, right now, I want you to pray this prayer. Forgive me if I've sinned against anybody else. Forgive me if I've lacked integrity. Forgive me if I've not been honest. Father God, if we've gossiped about anybody in this place today, Father God, maybe there's been broken relationships. Maybe there's been difficulty in our lives. But we ask you, Father God, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be more like Christ. Just lift your hands right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and to bring conviction. David, when he lashed out at Saul, he got convicted. There might be areas of your life right now where people have tried to, to point at your life and say, you need to fix this area, but you've not taken any notice. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit to highlight areas of your life today that are not based on integrity, that you'll not continue building on the sand, but you start to build on the rock, the rock of integrity, honesty, respect. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, if there's relationships right now that are out of sync because of lack of integrity, God, we pray that there'll be repentance. We pray there'll be purity. We pray there'll be holiness. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In our marriages, Father, let there be honesty. Let there be purity. Let there be repentance. 
Let there be reconciliation in families, Father, between mother and daughter, father and son. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Now, if there's anybody in this place today and you don't know Christ and you need His forgiveness, I'm going to pray a prayer as we finish this service today. It's a prayer of asking God to come into your life right now and to make you born again, to forgive you of all your sins. I'm going to pray this prayer right now. And if you're in this place today and you need His forgiveness and you want to receive Him into your life, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer in your own heart right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now and I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've failed you. I've let you down and I need your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose on the third day to give me new life. This day, I choose to follow you. I receive you now into my life. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. This day, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed right now, every Christian praying. If you're in this place today and you know that you need to get right with God and you know that you need Him in your life and you prayed that prayer and you need His forgiveness, I want to pray with you right now. And I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand high in this place today because I'd like to pray with you. Lift your hand high right now. If that's you, you prayed that prayer, you need His forgiveness, lift your hand high right now. Thank you. Yes, at the back. Lift your hand high right now. You know when you lift that hand, you're not just lift it to me, you lift it to heaven. Heaven sees a hand that says, God, I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Lift your hand high right now. And I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're in this place today, you need to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe you're here as a guest and you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Now would be a great time. Lift your hand right now if you need to recommit your life to Christ right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Every single person who's lifted your hand, I want you to stand on your feet right now because I'd like to pray with you in this place today. Every single person who's lifted your hand, that's it. Just stand right now. Stand at the back. Just stand in the, in, the, in the side transept. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, we want to spend a few moments with you and praying with you, members of the 230 team, just encouraging you to move forward with God. But I'm just going to pray with you right now. Father, we just pray for every single person who's standing. They're saying, God, I want to live a life of integrity. I want to be right with God. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus that today you'd make them born again. That today would be a new day, a new start. Old things will be passed away. And behold, all things will be made new in Jesus' name. Father, we give you the glory for a new beginning in Jesus' name. Seal this prayer in the blood of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. Fantastic. Those of you who stood on your feet, we'd just like to spend a few moments with you at the end of the service. There's a lounge in the back. And so please do that and talk to somebody at the end of the service from the table.